Hello and welcome to another post-qualifying podcast. My name's Katie and I have the biggest smile on my face right now. It's a shame you can't see it. Uh, and I'm joined by Tommy and we're going to be talking about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix qualifying. So spoiler alert, if you've clicked on this by accident and you haven't seen the results yet, turn it off, come back because we're going to be talking about the whole session and what a session it was, Tommy. There are so many topics to discuss here, but shall we start with Sergio Perez? He finally ended that drought. He went 11 years in Formula One without a pole position until today. Talk to me. How are you feeling? I couldn't believe it. I don't think no. anyone could have seen that coming. I mean, we do our top five predictions, which are never normally right. And you know, we put we put things in there and people go, oh, what are you smoking or what have you been drinking and stuff? I think if any of us had put that Perez would get P1 and Verstappen fourth, <laughs> the, the, the comments that we'd have got on that, everyone would have been like, what are you on? Would have been but great it, engagement. But it, but it happened. <laughs> I, I did not see that coming at all. I mean, it looked like it was going to be Verstappen and then it was like, oh, okay, uh, Ferrari, uh, looking strong, and then it looked like science might might do it uh, out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, Sergio Perez. I mean, me and Matt have just done our watch along, and we went absolutely insane. Just did not see that coming at all. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing, and um, you know, myself confessed Sergio Perez fan, so. I'm on absolute cloud nine. I'm so thrilled for the guy. Obviously, qualifying hasn't been a strong point. I think it's fair to say. Um, had some really bad results last year, but I don't know what he's been taking. If he's, you know, maybe he's figured out a way to get the car set up. By the way, when I say what he's taking, I'm not suggesting he's doping or something like that. <laughs> I just mean, you know, like what did he have for lunch? Um, but yeah, he, he managed to nail it and did a sensational lap, uh, as you say, to put it on pole. The first, first time ever. Red Bull, yeah, first time ever in his career. It's like 11 years to the day or something that he made his um, debut or maybe his first qualifying. It's making me feel old. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? 11 years. How the times have changed. Um, but yes, what an amazing achievement. And the first driver to get a red bull pole position this year which mm -hmm. as you said coming into 2022 that they would have been some good odds on that so yeah. amazing job from sergio um, it's not his we, strong point is it quality it's like really say. not it's, no it's, i think that's the biggest shock of it but yeah and from memory he's you know street circuits aren't particularly his kind of that's that's where checo excels so Overall, I'm just mega proud and really happy for him. And also the good thing is Sergio is such a lovable character. He's got such a great arc in terms of his story in Formula One. Um, and there are not many people that are not um, not happy. <laughs> that was the most complex way of describing the fact that everybody was happy to see him on pole. So really brilliant job there. The only um, disappointing thing I will just add is there wasn't a camera on his dad. Yes, yes. <laughs> so glad you said that. I went, yeah, we needed that live reaction. Um, yeah, if only we could know what the result would have been and we could have had Papa Prez on the watch along and uh, that would have been quite something. It would have been even more uh, more of a shocked reaction. But you mentioned Prez's career arc. I mean, he 
when he won, I believe it's the first, he's the, the driver with the most races before winning. And he's also now the most races before, like race weekends, obviously, before setting a pole position. So you don't normally get that with, with people that have such a long career and then start sort of achieving <laughs> these things at the end. But yeah, Perro showing that he's not um, like a fine wine. Oh, lovely way of describing <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he managed to beat both Ferraris who have looked speedy all weekend. I had my my prediction as a Charlotte Clerk poll. So he was in second, Carlos in third, as you say. There was a moment where Carlos was on provisional pole, which would have been exciting, but he could only manage third place today. Max Verstappen in fourth and Esteban Ocon making a cheeky little top five appearance there. So great from Esteban. Um, but surprisingly, you know, you might say Sergio Perez on pole, Esteban Ocon in P5, Max Verstappen in P4. They weren't the biggest shock results of qualifying because um, one thing that we need to talk about is Lewis Hamilton, Tommy, because the seven-time world champion, he was out in Q1. That's the first time it's happened since 2017 Brazilian Grand Prix. How insane is that? You, you talk about your watch along that you did with Matt. Your reaction to Hamilton was just absolute disbelief. And I think that's the reaction almost every fan watching it had. Yeah, I think this will be the first time that we'll release uh, our reaction video for that, but then also one of just another incident because our reaction to Hamilton going out was just as extreme as Perez Pol because it was so unexpected. I mean, I know he was on older tyres, um, but it's Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. and he, you know, he does always find a way it seems. And you just think, you know, there, there was, even when it was happening and he went up, I was like, oh my God, he's got through here at the skin of his teeth thinking he's done it. And then, yeah, just unbelievable that out of nowhere, I mean, the fact that Russell was so high up as well, where did Russell qualify sixth? Yeah, yeah six. six. And he was, uh, I want to say fourth in the session. Q1, was he or something like that? He was definitely up there in, in Q1. Um, but Hamilton, 16th, is a huge, huge yikes. It really is. Um, it's the first time as well that um, he's been knocked out in Q1 on pure pace since the British Grand Prix in 2009. I mean, Yikes. That is a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, big, big headline from that. And I think Hamilton even more surprising, saying, sorry, even more surprising no, no, no. is um two two cars were out. So he only had to, you know, he only had to beat three other cars and he didn't do it. Hamilton so in a Mercedes. What is going on? What is 2020? It's bizarre. It's just crazy and talking about why because I I suppose that's going to be a big question well why has this happened um Hamilton is just as complex as you or I said you know there's definitely something wrong with the Mercedes I don't know what it is but I just had no rear end it's never been that bad um so (laughs) some I I know why you're laughing because you're probably thinking (laughs) gosh I can read you like a freaking book mate but yeah. um yeah <laughs> that is um 
that's that. I mean, I don't really know more to add to that because now I've got an image of Sergio Perez in my head. So that's what we great. all want. It's what we all it, want. Um, the the thing with Hamilton as well, I think, is so surprising is it's not like um, it's not like Russell, you know, scraped through and then yeah. and then finished fourteenth or something. You know, Russell's up there in P six. It's it's, it's it's insane. It is actually crazy. And also, you know, Russell's the only Mercedes-powered car that actually made it into Q3 in the first place because both McLaren's out in Q2 um, and then Stroll 15th, Hamilton 16th, Albon 17th, Hulkenberg 18th, Nicholas Latifi 19th, a uh, person who was in 20th because they didn't actually set a lap time, was Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's for me, it just seems absolutely insane that we're seeing the Mercedes power units have clearly such a deficit and they're really struggling because we've just come from a whole generation of Formula One where it was Mercedes domination every weekend you turned on the TV. And now we're seeing them really struggle and it's Ferrari and uh, Red Bull powertrains that are the ones that are on it it's it's so bizarre i just can't yeah get over the, the customer teams i mean other than george yeah it was lando is the highest placed mercedes engined car in 11th <laughs> absolutely Yikes. woeful i mean yeah all all the mercedes powered cars were at the back uh pretty much again uh fp3 was it was all of them wasn't it at the at the back in fp3 and this is a power track, so it almost, I know there was a lot of talk that was Toto saying, you know, it's not our power unit, um, we're, we're doing all right. And there was talk of, you know, Aston Martin, McLaren, Williams, they've just built bad cars. But on the evidence of this weekend, there's definitely a Mercedes, some kind of Mercedes power issue as well, you've got to think. Very much so makes you wonder if McLaren I know obviously they won a race with Mercedes power last year but maybe they would have been better sticking with the Renault you know it depends how soon it can get fixed because it doesn't sound from listening to the McLaren guys talk that it's too much of a power unit issue their struggles it sounds like it's just maybe more downforce than the brakes but McLaren yeah. finally got rid of a GP2 engine in Honda and then <laughs> uh, ended up on getting a Mercedes engine and it being the new GP2 engine. It's very much reverse Uno card vibes that they're giving off there. Mm. Um, but yeah, big story there with Lewis starting tomorrow's race in P16. I know that he's mentioned that he might actually just have a few changes and upgrades to the car just so he can start in the pit lane. And to be honest, with how chaotic we have seen the starts here in Saudi Arabia, probably not a bad, bad idea. Um, yeah, I mean, F2 so- was chaotic and, well, it's just been a, chaotic weekend uh it has all around it has um now another big story which we've been given updates on gradually and um fortunately the driver is okay uh that is mick schumacher who had a hell of a crash in q2 um brought out the red flags which were going for about close to an hour um and fortunately mick seems to be okay 
on the outside. He's been flown to um, a local hospital for more precautionary checks, but within the last few moments, Haas have confirmed that he won't be racing tomorrow. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts to that crash, Tommy? Because it was a proper whack. It was a nasty, nasty crash to witness. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone surprised that he's not racing. Uh, it was an awful, awful crash. I mean, the car just speared into that inside wall, and the fact mm. that that wall is just a, you know, a concrete wall, um, no safer barrier or anything like that. Um, I mean, I think it was when we watched it back. Obviously, we were live reacting to it on the quality watch along, and it was awful to watch because. Yeah, you don't know the situation and it's uh they do it for the right reason, obviously, but you know, always when they, they cut away and don't show the car, you always sort of dread the worst and stuff. Um but when it was announced that he was uh okay, all things considered, and they started showing the replays and the the reverse angle where you see it from the rear of the car and him spearing into that wall, like the absolute the impact and the the G force must have been absolutely mm. unbelievable. Like I'm obviously not not curious, but when when that stat comes out about what that the G of that crash is, it's going, I would not be surprised if it was some kind of eye watering number because uh, it was you know full speed. Nicholas Latifi obviously had a crash, but he was much more fortunate that it was in a, an area where you're slowing down. There was a lot of runoff mm. there, so he could scrub off a bit of speed and go into a, a safer barrier. But Mick crashing into that wall at that speed is extremely scary, and you saw what it did to the car. I mean, mm. it's a miracle Ripped, that they can just shreds. walk away from things. Well, not walk away, but like be, yeah, be okay yeah. uh, for, from something like that is is crazy because – even just a few years ago, that wouldn't have been something you could walk away from. So, Very much so. Well, I mean, it goes without saying that uh, we're wishing Mick a speedy recovery and hopefully, I'm sure he will be fine to be racing in Australia. But yeah, never a, a, a crash that you want to see happen. And I mean, a lot of people have been saying over the weekend, obviously, um, there have been quite a lot of chat whether we should be in Jeddah in the first place away from being at the actual circuit itself, which is something that maybe we can go into at the end and sort of summarise. Because this has been a crazy 24, 36 hours in Formula One. Um, But yeah, the track itself, you know, it's the fastest street circuit and Formula One love this fact. And it's the second fastest circuit on the calendar generally. But it is a very dangerous track if you get it wrong which we saw with with Mick today you know that Gunter Steiner didn't seem to think that it was an issue with the car it seemed like it's more human error um but yeah I'm all for tracks that punish mistakes I love street circuits I find them so exhilarating and exciting to watch but there's got to be a point where safety and an exciting track should meet in the middle and it you know should be it shouldn't be, oh, this track's really cool, but if you go into this wall here, you're going to be in concrete. Like That doesn't sound particularly safe. And also, <laughs> sorry, got a tickle in my throat. We saw um, Esteban Ocon nearly have a moment in Q3 in exactly the same what spot. What a save that was, by the way. It was a great save. Oh, my Esteban, word. 
yeah if you're if you're listening us to band once again no you're a regular listener of the podcast um <laughs> but yeah it was a fantastic save but kind of just further proof that you know that is a an area that maybe needs to be evaluated more next year because it seems like it could be an uh, quite a common spot for shunts um if we're there next year yes very true this is a, a very good point um but yeah unfortunate for for mick and gunter steiner as well said which i find like horrifying i think this would be so scary that the data was just lost as soon as he made impact with the wall and i'm not sure i don't know too much about the technical side of inside the car but whether with that data being lost in the crash whether that means we won't have the data of how heavy of a crash it was but it also meant that the engineers and people on the pit wall completely lost any kind of conversation with mick so you know normally when we hear them say you know mick are you okay and you might get a response just silence that must have been a really scary moment for the Haas uh, Haas team to not have an update but we saw Valtteri Bottas as well um, obviously slow and check to see that Mick was all right which was um, a great thing and one lovely thing about all the drivers is obviously they're competitors but they all do care very deeply about each other and their safety but yeah which we saw last last night now um, yeah in that very long drive but it's just been an insane weekend i can't believe it's only qualifying it, it's felt like the longest weekend ever but yeah going back to the track being dangerous and we'll go into the other stuff as well um does seem like for a lot of people that this track it just people are just hoping that they get to the end of it and everyone's all right really mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like one of those things like tracks shouldn't be there where you feel like it's just an accident waiting to happen. That's not really, you know, there's risk versus reward. And we had this debate on the qualifying watch along where some people were like, oh, you you don't complain about Monaco. And it's like, well, Monaco is a slow track. Mm. Uh, It's completely different. And, you know, Jeddah is essentially like lining spa with concrete walls. And spa is a dangerous track as it is, but that has runoff and gravel traps and et cetera, et cetera. But Jeddah is just, yeah, the track the track is insane. And some people will love it, but I know a lot of the drivers are just like, this is Jeddah. I mean, when we did a post on it, when when they have to start putting TV screens up, which they are trialing, just so you can see around blind corners and stuff, that's not, it's not, not really right. You know, in it. a race, you shouldn't have to be watching the big screens to not worry that there's a car parked across the track. Um, because that's the worst incident. Uh, the worst case scenario is, you know, a car being in the middle of the track uh, and you're going around a blind corner and you don't don't see it. It bears thinking about, like, barely bears thinking about. So, um, yes, not, a, not an ideal scenario. And uh, I know a lot of people are quite miffed by the track and then obviously also everything that's gone on this weekend. Yeah, let's let's talk about that because I think it is an important issue to address. Um, obviously, in case you haven't caught up with it, myself and Matt uh, did um, a stream last night, quite late actually, uh, because 20 of the drivers had put themselves into um, a, a room. I don't know how else you would go about describing it. 
um, because they wanted to talk about if they were comfortable racing in Saudi Arabia this weekend. Um, during FP1, in the final few moments of that, uh, there was a missile strike at an Aramco oil refinery building, which is about six miles from the track, I think it is. Um, and it caused a lot of heavy smoke, meant some flights were diverted. Also, uh, Verstappen, even on his team radio, said that he could smell burning while he was uh, on the track, obviously probably very unaware of what was going on. Um, and despite F1 and the FIA, Liberty Media, the Saudi uh, motorsport board that they've got there, everybody ensuring that that Jeddah and the Saudi circuit is the safest place to be and security is at the highest level and saying all these things that obviously they know that people want to hear. Um, and the teams also unanimously agreeing that they were happy to continue with the race weekend. Drivers were clearly not feeling very comfortable with the whole situation. And so they had this meeting with them all with the GPDA and uh, yeah, it was understood that some drivers were really not happy about racing. Some were fine with it. Um, and eventually after, I think it was like a four hour meeting and various uh, individuals coming in and giving their opinions and listening to concerns, uh, it was decided amongst the whole grid that they would race this weekend. But it's just, like you say, Tommy, just being such a bizarre weekend. And to be honest with you, I'll be quite happy to see the back of it, which is a shame because it, it should never be like that for an F1 fan. You know, got F1 there this weekend. This should be like all oh, our Christmas has come at once. But in fact, I'm just filled with just so much disappointment in um, what's gone on and I'm just ready to get to Australia and close this chapter. Yeah, it's a crazy one, isn't it? That this race has gone ahead. The fact that in Bahrain, all the drivers are on the grid wearing a no war t-shirt, and then the very next race, there's well, it's literally a war, a war, on, zone, a war on the yeah. six miles from the the track, and they're just like, no, it's fine. And um, you know, there's there's been a few people online talking about, you know, boycott the race, blah, blah, blah. I'll just say from our perspective, you know, I personally think it's worse to do that and try and sweep it under the rug like Formula One were doing yesterday where they weren't tweeting or doing things. You know, we have a platform and a voice and I personally think it was important for us to, to carry on and share that, you know, we and you know we i like to think you know we're the voice of the fans as well that we're all miffed by this situation and it doesn't seem right and it does seem ridiculous and we should uh, you know we're sharing that that we're not happy with with the situation i mean however much formula one can go oh yes all the team principals and drivers agree i mean they don't they don't you don't have a four-hour meeting where the big bosses of formula one need to keep going into the room <laughs> uh if if the drivers are that pleased about racing and the fact that they're no you know no one put anything on social afterwards or anything like that i i'd love to hear what really went on in that meeting um because uh, it'd be very interesting to hear one day what that what what went down and yeah it makes you wonder if 
well, nothing's happened. They've kind of got away with it and they're well. And um, it makes you wonder, like, what what happens next year when we go back to to Jeddah? People, you know, a driver's going to be like, do I really want to be going back there after what happened last time? Because we we were just, you know, we're at home and I can't imagine what it was like for people. I mean, I saw some of the team principals that were saying things like, oh, my, you know, had to... Mm. Uh, my family were asking yeah yeah. wife and kids like is are you safe and all this stuff and yeah it's not really the way it should be is it it's not it's unfortunate because you know formula one can bring us fans so much joy so much happiness i mean look at sergio Perez on pole today that's cheered everybody right up and then it seems as though at the moment, maybe it's just because we are in the moment and it seems particularly bad. But, you know, out of the last, say, three races in Formula One, two of those have been shrouded in so much controversy. And, yeah, it's just disappointing. But hopefully there are lessons to be learned here and actually taken on board and dealt with and not just brushed under the carpet um and yeah us f1 fans can get back to being happy and excited that we have f1 cars on a racetrack and the possibilities that can come with you know these brand new regulations and the fact that we've seen anything is possible on the race yeah the season to to yeah to end on a high the season is looking amazing uh so far it really is i mean I can't quite believe it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. We've we looks like we've got still got a title battle with Red Bull and Ferrari. We've got a mix up. Um, I'm sure Mercedes will be back at some point. They are inevitable. Um, <laughs> so let's see what Ferrari can do with a big head start. And uh, yeah, I mean, the race tomorrow is going to be. A extremely interesting situation with the Red Bulls looking mighty down the straights. But will their cars last? Let's find out. I hope so. And, and I just can't the dynamic of the, the dynamic of Perez, like yeah. being it's a situation that Red Bull have never had to deal with, like Perez <laughs> being on pole and Verstappen in fourth. And you know, are they gonna do they let Perez run his own race? Do they hope that Perez blocks the Ferraris and Verstappen undercuts everyone? Like, we know what do Perez they do? is a great defensive driver. I'm just putting it out mm. there. I just hope Perez gets further than he did last time in Saudi because obviously he got caught up by Charles Leclerc, actually, thinking about it. And mm. um, after the first red flag yeah. that we had there. So, it's tempted fate now, Katie. Don't. Oh, I take it back. Delete this part from the podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's looking super exciting. Um, and I'm I'm really enjoying doing these little post-quality podcasts, although really, really sorry to people who got the notifications last week. We didn't think it through <laughs> and named like the title, like Charles Leclerc gets pole. It's amazing. And yeah, we, we did see a couple of you say, guys, I haven't seen it yet. But for me, I would say, keep your phone on airplane mode and then you'll never <laughs> see a spoiler and it's fine. Yeah, I think um, we'll call this one just reaction to qualifying or something. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what a crazy qualifying result or something like that. Yeah. Um, so 
Well, bait people that haven't seen it. <laughs> the TV poll question mark. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Imagine. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Tommy. Uh, do you have a final moment of reflection? <laughs> I think I was gonna say final <laughs> thought, but I thought I'd change it up a little bit. I do. I have literally just gone on Twitter and seen a tweet from Mick Schumacher himself that says Hi, everyone. Just want to say I'm okay. Thank you for the kind messages. The car felt great. House will come back stronger. So there's a nice little note to end on that Mick is feeling good. That's great. That's lovely. And I've also seen on my timeline that Hamilton went down to the house garage to ask how Mick was. So just a lot of love going on in that little paddock bubble, which is good to see. Uh, (laughs) It's a funny tweet. Can't remember who it was. Maybe it was... I want to say Hazel, so sorry if I've wrongly credited that, but someone saying about um, Hamilton doing Sebastian Vettel's dad, Mick Schumacher dad duties while he's uh, away, <laughs> which is quite funny. So, yeah, very, that was wholesome true. stuff. That is very good. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for, for listening to this podcast. And hopefully you also enjoyed qualifying and... We'll be back very soon to talk about the Grand Prix. So make sure that you don't miss that. It'll be going live on audio Monday evening. And if you want to see it in video form on Monday, then there is a way you can do that. It goes to YouTube on Tuesday. But if you want to be an early bird, if you want to see our reactions to things and setting up a million times, I roll my eyes at something Matt's probably said or (laughs) something like along those lines, then you can do. Because if you subscribe to Team WTF1, then you get early access to the podcast. And yeah, you can watch us live. You can comment on the podcast as it's happening and we can read out your your feedback. Or maybe you can't watch it live, but you want to have it to watch in the evening when you get home from work. That's also a thing. So yeah, for more information, search Team WTF1. I don't know if we can put links in podcast uh, descriptions. But yeah, I'm sure if you just Google Team WTF1, you'll be able to find out all the information. And uh, maybe we'll see some of you there on Monday. So, yeah, thank you so much again, Tommy, for your time. And uh, see you then. Bye-bye. I'm about to sneeze. (laughs) Goodbye.